0: I'm not trying to create some kind of sophistry. What I'm saying is that mercy descends from a position of power. Yeah. And therefore, to be merciful to others is not an act of kindness, but is actually an act and display of power. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that's (laughs) That's
0: another good perspective. Welcome back to the Middle Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Eman Mark Manley from Middle Ground Muslim Center. This is episode 9, and I'll be joined again by Brother Dawood Aleman. In this episode, we're going to explore the concepts and even the nexus of gratitude and mercy, but especially we want to explore the very idea of mercy and how we can reimagine it from how it is commonly conceived of in our culture today. No, that's true. All right, man, enough of that. Let's get to the real deal. <laughs> <coughs> we just ate, man. I'm getting hungry again. i
1: to eat
0: another one. I'm going to need another one, man.
1: That was actually good. It was it's no,
0: pretty
1: it's good. good. It's pretty good. Hit the spot. Yeah. Hit the spot. Well, uh, the idea here was... The idea of, you know, the, the blessing that we're in uh, at, at whatever level. But, you know, I was contemplating this morning. I was sitting, having breakfast. And, um, you know, I'm like cooking my favorite food. Cooking my choice, if you will, that I like. And I'm just sitting there thinking, subhanAllah, I'm eating what I want to eat What a
0: blessing When and, you want to eat it
1: And when I want Exactly And when I want to eat it And uh, you know I almost feel like A shame But all I can say is Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah yeah. And think of those Who aren't And be appreciative to Allah In that You know Really having that sense In my heart You know And keeping that framework uh, With all of the Nyam. And you know It came across my head and I tell this to my family, you know, clip the wings of your blessings before they fly away with gratitude, right? And, and so this is an eloquent saying I've heard several times in different lectures, but the idea here is, you know, the scholars had mentioned that, you know, before your blessings fly away and you don't have them no more, um, you know, <coughs> give that shukr to yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and clip the wings before they fly away. And so I I was thinking of a story um that there was this um my wife had told me she follows this um young young afghan brother uh he was living in medina and he was you know posting a lot of his um content online of medina and then you know he got deported or whatever had to go back to to afghanistan so he, you know, he he started doing his thing over there and showing, you know, the world or on social media, Afghanistan. So he, he was in a village and he was driving by this this other Muslim guy. And how you doing, man? And they're talking their language, but he would kind of translate it back into. Uh, he spoke Arabic. Okay. So so my wife is explaining he was he was kind of saying hi to this guy On the road, and how are you doing? And he said, "Alhamdulillah." You know what? I haven't eaten. Actually, I think he didn't say. I I think he said I haven't eaten uh, in several weeks. I think earlier I told you meat. No, he hasn't eaten in several weeks anything. And he said, "Alhamdulillah," like I'm doing all right. I haven't eaten for a while, but he's not
0: not doing some sort of like (laughs) Instagram juice fast.
1: No, yeah, exactly by force. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's just his condition. And, and he's smiling, Alhamdulillah, (laughs) I'm all good, you know, and look at the attitude. So I'm like, I've always, you know, you, you got to contemplate these things, you know, you, if get you, get your heart right, get your mindset right. And you contemplate and really think about the blessings we're, we're in. While it might seem like everything around us is
0: crumbling. Especially right now, man, um, you know, we're, you know, the the, the PSYOP we're in is uh, flooding us, you know, with images to, uh, you know, demoralize us, uh, you know, and I, I think a part of demoralization of, you know, if you want to target a certain group or a population and you want to, demoralize them on a on a deep subversive level. Just make them ungrateful. Mm. Promote you know, promote those things that will encourage a sense of ingratitude. Mm. I think uh I don't know who is it I think it was Bill Burr. It was either Bill Burr or who's the other comic, C.K. Lewis or KC Lewis. I don't know, man. I can't keep them straight. But <clears throat> it was one of these comics that I think said something to, you know, offend, you know, the priesthood of <laughs> high, uh, you know, high society. <clears throat> and so he, he was being interviewed. I don't know if it was by Conan O'Brien or, i have to see if I can find the clip, right? But he was like on an airplane getting ready to go somewhere. And I I think they took off, right? And so they're in the middle of the air and the guy sitting next to him is like, oh man, you know, this thing sucks, man. This flight is horrible. You know, there's no Wi-Fi.
1: Yeah.
0: And he was like, You know, he's like, okay, you know, sure, that's inconvenient. It sure would be nice to have, you know, Wi-Fi. But he's like, yo, man, you are in a metal cylinder (laughs) flying through the clouds hundreds of miles an hour, five miles above the earth. Like you are in the midst of a miracle. And this is something that, you know, we're maybe the fourth generation of human beings in the history of human beings Mm -hmm. that have been able to do this, that have been able to fly through the air, at least that we know of. Now, if you go back to some of the Mayan records, I don't know, man, they they look like they got something that's flying around. Yeah, yeah, they got the space aliens, right? But he was like, yo, man, like, this is miraculous. Okay, you don't have Wi-Fi, but you're flying through the air and are able to traverse from one point to another in a a mere few hours that Mm. would take days, you know, to do. So, yeah, I think, you know, there is a really insidious component to our civilization that Conjures up the image of people sitting somewhere in a tower, you know, dry washing their hands, you know, uh, uh, thinking of, you know, evil deeds to do. But I do. I think it's like, you know, you want to, you want to, if you really want to make people ungrateful, then drown them with a multitude of many, many, many things. And then from time to time, Take it away from them. Yeah. And what? They'll they'll act like a bunch of unruly children. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, I mean,
1: the source of blessings, and many might say, you know, well, it came from here, it came from there, or we really forget. But as believers, (coughs) we know the source of blessings, and they're ultimately coming from Allah, from God and the idea here I'll read this phrase or sentence these blessings are ultimately coming from God they're seen as a manifestation of Allah's mercy and grace upon individuals and communities and what struck me in that was the idea of mercy um for those who have eyes you you will see the blessings all around you and Allah even says, I mean just look in your own selves <laughs> right, you, right. I mean that
0: whole machine you're you're in or even look up look up I mean just you know رزقكم, right and in the heavens in the sky السماع, yeah. right? is your provision mm. عدون, right and what you were promised so, the blessings are
1: are visible for those to, to see, if you want. But the idea of his mercy, um, sometimes that might be an abstract thing, or we just haven't seen it yet, or we forget about it. Um, and we are having that conversation earlier, and I, I said, okay, let me just look up mercy in the dictionary here. And so, it states compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So the one who's being merciful has the capability of harming you. So I might show you mercy, but I might not have had really the capability of harming you, but I gave you a few bucks or whatever. Maybe you needed something. I had it. I gave it, but I really didn't have the power to harm you or punish you or do anything to you. So there's an added You know, dimension there into this in in, in the definition. Uh, And so, when we have the idea of mercy from Allah subhanahu Subhanahu wa ta'ala, we think, or at least for me, I always just assume, oh, well, the blessings that we get while we're living in this dunya. But it always dawns on me, I mean, when you read in Quran and Allah is most merciful, and I always gravitated, well, what is that mercy? It's definitely that He's saving you from the hellfire. I mean, I default, or I tried to default, okay. Blessings all around us, food, drink, things like this to sustain our bodies and stuff definitely a mercy and a blessing. but what is the ultimate mercy as you had mentioned and we were discussing that you are saved and spared from the hellfire
0: right the 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 the, the greatest act of mercy is to spare somebody from punishment mm. right yeah w- without a doubt and so if you you know we believe that the greatest and ultimate act of mercy that Allah Ta'ala can give a person is dukhulul jannah right? Al-afu wa dhukhul jannah right? Is to be pardoned and to be admitted to paradise mm. in which there exists no pain, no loss, no hunger, no aging, um, mm. no lack of want, yeah. right? Um, but I want to highlight what you just said because... I think there's something in, because we're both Westerners and you know, we're both from America and even when you become a Muslim, you sometimes, your default mode of processing the world is still what's deeply ingrained in you from your right. cultural background. And I would, I would be willing to take the claim that in the Western point of view, as Christianity recedes further and further and further into the backdrop, and as we proceed further and further and further into a a highly secularized, materialistic, atheistic society, Mm. that whatever might have been of truth in Christianity of what was revealed to Sayyidina Isa, of what was revealed to Jesus, the son of Mary, alayhi salatu may Allah bless him and his mother, has now been replaced with the Roman Empire, has been replaced with Pharaoh, has been replaced with the obsession and preoccupation with with power and the approximation mm-hmm. to power. Uh, but I would really want to, really more particularly the, the approximation. And what I mean by this is that, and what you just mentioned, right, that mercy, it emerges from the capacity to inflict harm or punishment but is curbed through some type of discernment Mm. to then bestow. And that's why I was saying if you think about it, Allah Ta'ala is the most powerful. Mm. Amongst his names, Al-Jabbar, Al-Qahar, right? The mighty, the one that can impose Al Aziz, right, the mighty one. And so, out of Allah's power, that He can, right? Allahu, yaghfiru liman yasha wa yu'adhibu liman yasha. Allah, can, God can, according to His own dictate and His own prerogative, without seeking the counsel or permission of any other, can forgive whomever He wants mm. and can punish whomever He wants. And, as Allah says, وَلَا hum يُنصَرُونَ sarun," and if He chooses to do the latter to punish, none can none right. can uh, avert this. Mm. And so there's a mistaken idea in Western psychology, I think today that mercy emerges out of weakness, whereas for us, mercy emerges from all power. Mm from the all-powerful one. Mercy comes out of that. And so if we can put our head in that space to reimagine what mercy might be, which is far greater than an act of kindness, Mm. right? far, far greater than any simple act of kindness, is that it is something that is done out of what we call irada, right? It's done something called, called out of pure volition. Of course, as human beings, we're limited because we don't, ha- we are not all powerful. We don't have unlimited resources. Yeah. But Allah Taala is the one that not only has unlimited capacity for mercy, but in the verse that we mentioned, or that we'll, all, and then another verse we'll get to is that. Because Allah has no needs, He has no need to eat, He has no need to sleep, He has no need for things, because one all things belong to Him. You know ma Mafis Samawati al Art Everything in the Heavens and the Earth belongs to Allah. Walillahi men fi semawati wamenfil art every one in the heavens and the earth belongs to him. You know. All the keys to the heavens and the earth, the treasures, everything belongs to Him. And so, al Ghani. And so, as Allah says, what? And your Lord is al Ghani, The one who is, it's not even sufficient to translate as rich. No. But, in possession of so much that they have no need. And then from that, that Allah Ta'ala is what? the Rahmah. Because Allah has no need and can act purely on desire, and by here I don't mean shahwa, yeah. I mean irada, right? I don't mean like carnal passions, I mean what is your want, what is your will? That Allah Ta'ala can do so and can act with complete impunity to be merciful to whomever he wants yeah. and in an unlimited capacity based upon whatever his prerogative is. So, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to create some kind of sophistry. What I'm saying is that mercy descends from a position of power. Yeah. And therefore, to be merciful to others is not an act of kindness, but is actually an act and display of power. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's another good perspective uh, that
0: I think is overlooked because,
1: as you're we think, it, we think out, yeah. power
0: is to subjugate others. Right. Of course, the problem is our very paradigm of subjugation is usually to inflict pain or to coerce others to do whatever you want. Allah is so powerful that he can be merciful to the kafir. Hmm. He can be merciful in this life to the kafir, even to the mushrik. Allah shows mercy even to the people of shirk In dunya, in this worldly life, Because everything and everyone belongs to him. So nobody will escape his judgment. But I'm saying, like, really, if we can imagine that mercy and acts of mercy and creating environments of mercy are in themselves actually manifestations and display of power we might have a completely different society yeah. versus one where the only display of power is your way to not only just lord over others, because Allah lords over everybody, but do so in a way that is effortless. Right. And that disregards in some ways, and this is the difference between Allah and his creation. We can lord over others, <clears throat> but that will usually involve some resistance and some type of there will be some struggle involved in that. Mm-hmm. Allah is Al Qahar, where right? He is the dominant one to such an extent, whether people submit to Him willingly or not, they are subjugated. They're not even a part of the conversation. By their very existence, they are subjugated to Him. Mm-hmm. The only difference is those who will willingly acknowledge that subjugation and embrace it. That's why we are ibad Those who willingly acknowledge that we are subjugated by Allah. And he can forgive us for anything. And he can punish us as he chooses. And there's nothing we can do about it ourselves. We can implore him to forgive us. Yeah. But we cannot. You know, there's no way I can somehow uh, apply some technique to... Uh, Deflect Allah's punishment? No. And so, again, I think this is this is if if we as Muslims could get to some of the higher agenda things instead of worrying about gender. (laughs) I was just at this conference this weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, we got people being murdered in the in the thousands, children being eviscerated in the thousands. But because Chuck comes along and says that Baskin Robbins now has 31 flavors of gender and you can blend them up in a smoothie, now that becomes a preoccupation for us. Right. These are the higher level things. Like, you know, we got to start teaching people how to actually live and and breathe and behave. And part of that is be merciful to other people, not because, oh, I'm in a position of weakness, so all I can do is display to you mercy. Or because I have money and I have political power and I have, th- I, I'm physically stronger than you, and I can display that not really as mercy, but as a way for sure. you to, you know, to to almost worship me. It becomes like a kind of, you know, a subtle kind of shirk. Mm. Versus mercy, by its definition, because it is associated with Allah as His names and attributes and qualities that Allah ta'ala says he has no want and therefore he is powerful and as a commentary on that that he is what mm. he is the possessor that's what that's what mercy comes out of yeah no
1: these are these are the <clears throat> the finer points that you know we get wrapped up as you mentioned with all of the uh hoopla and social disruption uh and you know it, it it's very <clears throat> simple you know like you mentioned how many genders and, you know, we're dancing around with eggshells and we got to be careful because those who are in power are trying to, you know, put, put your arm behind your back and twist it. Oh, we don't need to deal with that. We need to get back to basics and get back to our, our, our foundational understanding and where we're at. So our GPS needs to be put back on as Muslims, uh, you know, and there's just two genders. (laughs) Right. However, the idea here of the blessing, then the response is gratitude. So for every, um, every situation, there's a correct response. And as Muslims, we should understand the response that's according to the situation. So the Prophet ﷺ said, for every matter, there's a manner. So for every situation there's a way to go about it. And there might be many ways that we could think of to do something or go about it, think about it. But then there's the best way, or we can say the most efficient way, right? Right. Uh, which is going to save time, energy, and wealth, if you will. And the response here when it comes to the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the "nyam," so we don't lose it, is gratitude, or we'd say shukr. And I was taught shukr lisan is good, Saying things on the tongue, having gratefulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the tongue, alhamdulillah, thanks Allah, but you follow that up with your actions. So whatever Allah has blessed you with, wealth, time, money, source of power, different forms of power, whatever it might be, then you utilize that in his cause. So if you're blessed with wealth, right, okay, right. you, you give it out. You, <laughs> you, you got food. Okay. We got to feed some people here with yes. that or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. So, so that's the second part that I think we sometimes miss. And we're always taught, you know, just Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah and all of this. And it's not really mm, part of the train. Um, when it comes to gratitude and you know, we have that sense of gratitude, like, so, you know, and I was always taught, Alhamdulillah, my older brothers, they, Hey, and I mean, in Islam, we we would we might get a, a bid or a contract, my, especially my business partner. Right. And he would say, okay, we go make two rakah shukr. Uh, yeah. SubhanAllah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, for me, be, like you said, the Western mindset, we just did a contract. It was business. Alhamdulillah. You know, thanks God. No, no, no. Now do some action.
0: <laughs> right. Not right. just
1: on the tongue. Now go make two rakah shukr. Two <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. and we
0: see that. <clears throat> like, if somebody. <laughs> Uh, It was interesting during this last World Cup that took place in uh, Qatar. Mm. And so, you know, putting aside people's political and moral and ethical grievances with uh, the Qatari government, when you had had non-Muslims from coming all over the world to a Muslim country, right? And... As typical in most professional sports, when somebody scores a goal, when they score a touchdown, kick a goal, right, it's, you know, in the conventional Western sense, what do you do? You spike the ball, you do a touchdown Mm. dance, you know, you kick a goal, you do some, right? But then they were seeing some of the Muslim players that when they would kick a goal, they would make sajda. They would go and prostrate, which in the conventional Western sense, when something good happens to you, it's all about me. Praise yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas in the conventional Muslim sense, you know, kharu sujadin, right? That you fall on your face. Yeah. And you make prostration. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean about coming up with, you know, not just coming up, but really using your Islam to unpack the, the entanglement of your culture, and by this i 'm not speaking in any kind of <coughs> presumptive way that this very same thing doesn 't need to be done in a great many if not all muslim con- you know countries because you can live in a muslim country that doesn 't mean it 's perfect, but I do believe particularly here, and of course you know we 're talking to a predominantly western audience is to use your Islam to unravel some of those knots, right? And one of those knots is, is all about me. Right, yeah. Uh, versus those display, right? So I think the next, maybe the next train stop on this is then what do you feel it is that prevents this shukur, this gratitude from manifesting both individually and collectively Man, we might have to stop it right here yeah right that,
1: <laughs> pause um well, definitely what what's, what's <clears throat> prohibiting i would I would say the blessings coming to us individually and collectively is is from our own hand, our own actions, our ingratitude um our sins. And, you know, even, even then it could become a lie. Allah might still bless you what you would perceive to be blessings, but they actually become liabilities, right? However, so as a Ummah, though, um, we're always being warned, 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 warned. Individually, we're being warned with this situation, that situation. And we're not responding accordingly. And a big barrier there from... And I use this term success. Um, is our lack of there's a lot here, but I'll, I'll say our devotion to Allah subhanahu wa taala. Yeah. Just keep it simple, and you know, are we really devoted and sincere in all of our actions, or as, as, as much as many actions that we're performing? Are we really? Yeah, yeah. You know, and are are we really engaging in our religion? <coughs> You know, so I think this becomes a big barrier, and and the lack of gratitude. Allah says it so many times. We we impoverished the city, and they didn't make Toba. So then we gave them a bunch of blessing, and yep. they didn't make sugar. And then we destroyed them.
0: Yes. You know, and is that our case, right? And so, all, what we're really talking about, like the the word that we haven't really mentioned out loud yet, is of course the heart. <coughs> lack of gratitude is going to ultimately be an affair related to the heart as you mentioned there are things that can darken the heart that we know of. Mm. the prophet aleyhis sallam has told us that you know when a person commits a sin it it puts a, a dark mark on their heart and that eventually the heart can become blinded it turns completely dark and That part is well known amongst us. Another part I wanted to maybe elucidate a little bit here, and that was from something we had spoken about earlier, which is from a verse in the Quran. It's the 111th verse of Surah Al Imran or the third chapter of the quran and the 111th verse and a little bit of context right so this verse is being revealed amidst the muslims having a conflict with the Mm. non-muslims they're having to fight them now and so amidst conflict allah reveals a verse in which he says, Kuntum O oh Muslims, you are the best community brought out for all of mankind. <laughs> while you're fighting with some of mankind, right, while you're fighting with some of mankind, the overarching lesson is what? Not all of mankind is your enemy. Mm. And fighting and conflict is not the reason why you exist. These things happen. Conflict is a part of human existence. And so the Quran is not going to just give us empty platitudes. No. Sometimes you have to have conflict. Mm -hmm. It's unavoidable and sometimes even necessary. Even in the West, they have the concept of the just war. Mm -hmm. Except for us, we don't use the term war. We use the term jihad. Mm. Jihad does not mean holy war. In fact, the Quran uses the word harb. In Arabic, there is a word for war. Mm -hmm. Harb. And you will find it in the Quran. But that is not what Islam is talking about. It's talking about jihad. But Allah, in the midst of this conflict where the Muslims are having to fight some people, not everybody, but some people, Allah says, you are the best community brought up for Everyone. There are three things of how you should engage with all of humanity, whether they are Muslim or not. You're going to call to good. You're going to forbid. Call to forbid evil. And encourage the people to believe in Allah. And then Allah says specifically about the Jews and the Christians. It would be better if they believed, which implies that they are not really believers. That would be better for them. Mm. Some of them are believers, at least at that time. Well, But most are completely deviant. Mm. <laughs> so there's that verse. Then on the, very, on the very next verse, and we said this is very important. So I'll read the verse out and then yeah. discuss this because it's going to relate to what we talked about, mercy, mm. mercy descending from power. As an act of power, gratitude, and what are the things that can sometimes frustrate the expression of gratitude and the remembrance of as you said of the ni'am of, mm. of the of the, the bounty and the blessings of Allah. So the verse reads So the verse reads They will never be able to harm you except for a little bit. And if they do confront and fight you, they will turn their backs to you and run away, and they won't have any help. What I want to unpack is that there's three ways you can read this verse. And this is actually just specifically for the Muslims that are listening. This is why the fen and the ilm of tajweed, the art and the science and the knowledge of tajweed, of reading the Qur'an, It's very important. It's not just something we teach kids, or it's not just something to show off for Quran competitions, but it actually contributes to a deeper understanding of the Quran. So this verse can be read three ways. The first is you read it all the way through with no pauses, which would be what? They can never hurt you except for a little bit, and if they confront you and fight you, they'll just simply turn and run away, and they won't have any helpers. That's version one. Version two is to read it, to read it as, they will never be able to harm you except for a little. Pause. So you read the first part with a pause. They will never be able to hurt you for a little bit. Pause. If they do fight you, they will simply eventually run away and show you their backs and they won't have any helpers. The third way, which we're going to talk about is going to be the differences and the importance between two and three. The third way to read this is, rakum." Pause. The meaning here and the implication is, they can never harm you. They will never harm you. rakum." Pause. "Illa Except for a little bit. And then to the end of the verse. What is the meaning and the implication here? It's the Quran is telling us, You can be harmed, but being wounded is an entirely separate affair. It's a choice to be wounded. And the reason why I'm saying this is that what is it that's going to frustrate the expression of gratitude in the heart? If you feel like you are owed something, if you feel like you've been wounded by something, that is going to kill the spirit of gratitude in your heart. So this verse that you can read three ways. You can read it all the way through, and as some of the mufassirin, the commentators, said that okay, because we are human beings, we, we are limited and we're not all equal in capacity. Okay, the 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 foundation is they can never harm you except for maybe a little bit. So some people might be might be they might be uh, hurt. Others will not even feel it because they believe so intimately in what Allah is saying. لَنْ PAUSE <laughs> By having the pause, it's like, Illa Except for a little, it's almost as if that's in parentheses, like an option. Imagine it like this verse is talking about a conflict and the consequences of the conflict. You have a box you can check. I was wounded and I was not wounded. And it's like you can make a choice here to not check that box. You know, one of the things that causes people to be ungrateful is having a feeling of being wounded in their heart. Mm -hmm. And then as a result of that, their generosity, their spirit of generosity goes away. Their spirit of engaging with others in the world goes away. Their spirit of spreading mercy goes away. And that's why it's very important to understand that Islam as part of the maqasid, part of the broader aims and objectives of, the, of, of Islam, forget about of the Sharia. We, we usually associate this term maqasid, the plural of maqsad, which means a goal or aim or objective. We think of this in terms of Sharia, but I'm saying of Islam of the Quran is to is to inculcate and mm. cultivate within the human being resiliency. Yes, to be resilient. If you want to be generous, if you want to be merciful, if you want to be powerful, as we said, mercy is, descends from, is an expression of real power, then that means you've got to be resilient and you cannot allow the world to affect you. Mm. Anybody can, sense? you know, if you get punched in the face, <clears throat> you know, you can get your nose broke. We've all seen boxing matches. Dudes get punched in the face. They get their nose broke. There's a difference between, okay, he harmed me by punching me in the face, and then I'm wounded in my heart, and now I'm demoralized, and I'm going to retreat within myself and have a temper tantrum and pout and sulk and brood over what I feel that I'm entitled to (laughs) versus (laughs) overcoming that. You're, st- you're human. Maybe you were punched in the face. Maybe you were harmed. But in your heart, you're not wounded. Man. And so this allows the mercy to continue to flow forth. This is why so much in Islam, like, <clears throat> and then I'll, I know this is kind of like a monologue, but this, I think this <laughs> is important for people to really grasp. Oh
1: yeah, no, no.
0: In Islam, we have a thing called ahkam. We have a thing called rules. Allah sends down, and you have to do a- or you have to not do B. So in Islam, without a doubt, nobody can change. Right? The, 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 the. When, when Allah said, as for the thief, male or female, cut off their hand. People will come along and say, oh man, this is barbaric. Even Muslims. No, you cannot, you have no right to say whether or not that is barbaric. We cannot change that. The ayats, the verses of the Quran, the injunctions and the commands that Allah reveals are immutable. But simply because Allah Ta'ala reveals something doesn't mean in every single instance that it must be uh, enacted upon. Two quick examples. The Prophet of himself, when a man was due, he was, he was due some belongings he was due some money and when he didn't get it he kind of insinuated and said that you know muhammad is not generous mm. well of course you know <laughs> to the sahaba and rightfully so this is a blasphemous statement right enough so much that for them they're like man this dude left a snap. And they were ready to hem this dude up, as we would say. Right. But the prophet, did it change the rule? Yeah, of course. Saying something blasphemous to, to suggest that the prophet, is not generous, or to say something negative about the prophet is without a doubt heinous and blasphemous. But he was like, if I go and have this dude have some type of punishment enacted on him because in a moment of frustration or you know, he still has some he still has some work to do on his heart. If I go and, sh- and, and have this dude beat up or killed because he said that, then the people are going to go, "Oh man, Muhammad kills his followers." <laughs> yeah he didn't though. He didn't say, no, 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 I'm not saying that you shouldn't say those things about me. Hmm. You should not say that about the Messenger of Allah. But in that instance, what was the what would be the trade-off? Yeah, he was wrong, and you know what? Perhaps Allah will forgive him, perhaps Allah will punish him for it. Now that, that affair is between he and Allah, and it depends on the state of his repentance and on and on and on. Similarly, Umar ibn al khattab right, one of the first leaders of the community after the passing of the Prophet, when some people stole during a, a famine, he commuted the cutting of the hand due to the, the, the extenuating circumstances. Mm. But in doing so, he never changed, oh, that ayah is mansucha. That ayah now is abrogated. No, mm-hmm. the ayah stands. <clears throat> the command, the verse stands. Right. The male or female thief cut off their hand. But, okay, we have some extenuating circumstances. Or like even in Islam, somebody's murdered. The family has an option. Okay, we can do, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, a nafs bin nafs or a'ini bin a'in. We can do an eye for an eye and a, you know, person for a person. Or that person can play, pay you know, uh, blood money. Mm-hmm. Or they can just simply they can forgive them. Right. That's an option of those that their loved one was killed. And of course, it's it's very clear in the way that the Quran is worded that it wants to encourage reconciliation between people. And so this is mercy. But the only way you will be able to take the higher ground. What's going to make you take the higher ground? It's not being wounded in your heart so that you can truly exercise power mercy will only come from a powerful person right
1: right well i think that's a strong emphasis on having first recognizing you you yourself have the choice to have whatever feeling you're going to have and then have the choice <laughs> to corral that feeling yeah expand that feeling whatever it might be but you have the ultimate choice there take it on the chin right and so but i think to bring the awareness like you just did um we we default to our emotions and you know i've said this before you know the i over e equation intellect over emotion and it's hard because we're emotionally based you know beings um but islam comes to hey gauge that, put that in check. And through these AYA, digging deep, you find these gems that bring these indications of, hey, you guys have the ability to check your emotions yes. and make choices that you would respond accordingly. Yes. Um, so one of the ideas here that you had mentioned and, or that we had kind of touched on is we get this emotional feeling of arrogance with the Nyam. Yes. And again, make the wrong choices. And from my understanding, this is also a major sin that will not, no one will enter into the, into the paradise with an atom's weight or a grain or a seed of arrogance. <clears throat> so this becomes very scary. So we know in Islam, it warns against becoming arrogant or proud because of one's blessings. And again, we mentioned like, we feel, oh, we're the ones who did that. So we throw the touchdown for ourselves. Yes. Yeah, we throw we, we end right, right. the ball, yeah, throw the ball down in there because I did that touchdown or whatever. I, I got that contract done. I negotiated yes. it that, that way, man. We, you know, I'm making all this money or whatever the blessings might be, right? I'm eating steak every day. Yes. <laughs> you know, I got filet yes. me on. Well, we have this really weird so, without gratitude, you're not making the right choice and tampering down those feelings. It can, be, it can become intoxicating when Allah has given you that mercy of nam, and you have this freedom. As you, as you mentioned, you know we we get this feeling like I have I I'm not in want no more. I'm in abundance, and therefore, and I did this. You know, after a while, you become deluded that I did this all myself. And we saw that in the story of the two men with the garden. Yes. And he said, you know, I don't even know if there's a God.
0: I'm probably paraphrasing wrong. Yeah, yeah, but he was very self-celebratory.
1: Man, you know, <laughs> I got all I got. And Allah blessed him like, Look at me. imaginable, Yeah, yeah, look yeah. At You know, man. And he said, why don't you say Alhamdulillah? Like, you know, you got all this before Allah just like takes all this away. And sure if he took it all away. And then he was left. He didn't even have power. Allah showed him how much he only had daughters right he didn't have there was those, so usually we associate you know your young men with power to help you tend right. but and then they were young at at that too. Yeah. they weren't even women to to help what they could help, so I mean he had no capacity yeah and completely destroyed and bankrupt in this life and potentially in the hereafter because of his lack of gratitude um and this idea we have this arrogance so there's a Deep sense of responsibility and the choices that we need to make when we have our heart correct. And this feeling first of gratitude, like Allah Akbar, Alhamdulillah, I could be in a worse situation than this. So that falls into the idea of contentment with the Nyam. Because yeah. sometimes we get Nyam and, yeah. well, I thought it was going to be a little bit more.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. That, you know <coughs> well, is is, you is know, that it? <laughs> yeah man is there any more
1: <laughs> yeah so kana yeah, yeah. and having this feeling of contentment is also another aspect of really having gratitude for the nyam and the blessing and allah's mercy right I, i'll share a, a, a du'a that i was taught and um and i, I believe the prophet sallallahu had mentioned this but allah at, encourages us to ask from his fadl so the du'a is you know um Oh Allah, I'm asking from your Fadl and your rahmah, and you're the absolute possessor of both. Yes. And so you know the idea of Fadl is hard. I looked it up to explain, but basically the excess, if you will, I guess in the in the uh, Arabic language, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's basically the extra. But with Allah's Fadl, it's just not extra. Yeah, it's his extra, like, but. It's a little bit beyond that And it's a little bit more intense But we ask Allah from this That he gives us Because it's not just specifically risk
0: Risk Yes And also it's an acknowledgement Because it always There's always There's always Going to relate to Tawheed in some way To mm -hmm. oneness of Allah That there's no one else to ask So it's Allahumma inni as'aluka min fadlika Wa rahmatika Right Wa inna hu la yumlikuha illa anta because none can possess that except for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, being content with what we have, and I think we've shared this before, you know, instead of always looking up to others who have more, oh, the Steve Jobs of the world or the, you know, wealthy, wealthy entrepreneurs mm-hmm. of the yes. world, the Bill Gates. And, and, and what and does he and really have? Yeah, and what do they really have, right, at the end of the day? That, you know, like some of the ulamas said, if they knew what we had, meaning Islam, our iman, they would come after us with swords.
0: I mean... To try and take it. To keep it, to keep it relevant to current events, right? I mean, Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, first was like, I'm going to turn on the internet for the people of Gaza. Then Israel... Was well, it's like, uh, nah, money. No, you're not. He has to go over and take a trip. This is the richest man in the world. Mm. Go over and take a trip to go, and he visits parts of, you know, Israel. And at the end, he rescinds his decision, amends it with, well, maybe I'll turn it on, but I will do it according to the dictates of Israel. Mm. This is the richest man in the world. I mean, I don't know what the GDP of Israel is, but this <laughs> guy is worth, what, what, like $150 billion? What, what is, I got to look up, what a, Elon Musk. Right. And, and, you know worth. The
1: idea is.
0: $250 billion. Don't
1: look up to that. Right? And look, look for those who have less than you to maintain your, your, your um,
0: contentment. Right. And let's just, let's just do GDP. Okay. He's worth roughly half of the GDP (laughs) of Israel. An entire country. This man has, you know, roughly half the wealth. Actually, a little bit more. He's 250, they're 480. (laughs) So he's slightly more than half the GDP of this entire country. Right. And he needs to shut his mouth. And he's got to—he's got to <laughs> toe a certain line. And—and and this really shows that there is—there is no freedom except by Allah's leave. You got it. There is no contentment by Allah's leave. There is no happiness except by Allah's leave. That all the money that this man has—I mean, more money than you and I could possibly. Mm. <laughs> Although I'd, I'd like to give it a try, yeah. but more money than we could possibly imagine of what to do with. And all he can think of is to build little rockets to go to Mars, mm. and he has to keep his mouth shut when it comes to that affair. right? I mean, just absolutely extraordinary, and that actually, that's a sign for everybody else to this is how Allah works. Allah is al-latif, mm. Allah is subtle, and Allah is al-qahar. He is the one that can compel. Though he is the richest man in the world, he forced him to be subjugated by others. Right. Right, he's still being subjugated. Right. No, I mean, no that way. that's an, that's an incredible, an incredible affair.
1: Yeah, the observations <laughs> of these things we have to really look at we're 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 bewildered by face value of things, and we don't look. I think no. we're more
0: we're more than bewildered. Some <laughs> of us are. I mean, I'm bewildered by two hundred. If, if I had two hundred and fifty dollars, I'd be bewildered, yeah, right? Two hundred fifty billion, bro. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I'd now, probably I would probably fly off into space. I don't know. I'd lose <laughs> I'd lose my mind. I, I you know. Uh, but you brought up a good point.
1: But once we can, you know, m- connect the dots. But still, with all that money, hey, money, you He's can't He's got do- no idea
0: what to do with himself. <laughs> you can't. You don't really have all the power. No and moral. also, look, money is not the same as morality. Right. The man, and not just because of what's happened. Obviously, the issue with his lack of empathy and support with the husbands is despicable. But far before this, the man is extremely inconsistent and has displayed that... Uh, he clearly needs some type of recalibration of the gyroscope that is his moral sensibility. The man has absolutely no, no moral sensibilities whatsoever. And money can't give that to you. Even how, now he's going to hobnob with Netanyahu and all the bigwigs in Israel, or maybe he'll get some contracts. None of that will set your compass straight. Right. And so what Muslims have to really learn a hard lesson here. Your compass must point towards Allah Ta'ala. That's why we have a qibla. That's why we have a direction of prayer. So you can always orient yourself regardless of your coordinates, regardless of your circumstance. If you've royally screwed up, you go back to Allah. If you're doing great, then you stay repentant and grateful, and you still maintain in the same, right? The awliya the, 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 the of Allah, and I don't mean this in any kind of super mystical way, but I mean those that are really the pious, the salihin, and the awliya of Allah, the pious, pious, the most pious of us, mm-hmm. and the absolute worst of us, all pray in the same direction. Will you bring
1: up another aspect here of the mercy and the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ibtilah the tests and the trials that we go through as a community and all humans. There is no human that's going to not be tested and put in a trial in one form or another. But with Muslims, we need to be steadfast, remain steadfast during these times of abundance because that's a test in a trial, and yes. in the times of adversity as well, and recognize them as, a, as either a blessing or a mercy yes. um, when we're going through these adversities, because they're in many ways not always <coughs> as we may perceive them. We, like I mentioned, we see face value, and we're not really looking yes. behind the curtain what Allah might bring us.
0: I mean a good example of that like not looking behind the curtain so you take the verse in like Surah Al-Nahal to Allah la if you were to try to count the blessings that Allah has given you you wouldn't be able to do so إِنَّ and that Allah Ta'ala is undoubtedly forgiving and merciful but we don't peek behind the curtain we stop it oh man it, which, it is an extraordinary uh, statement by Allah Ta'ala but like with everything in the Qur'an, افلا al-Quran. الْقُرْعَانِ Don't they contemplate this Qur'an? So yes, if you did try to count the blessings that Allah Ta'ala has given you or any one of us, you would not be able to do so. But you know what you can do is what? But if Allah has said, "What in tadhkuru You know, تذكروها. If you had tried to remember the ni the blessings of Allah, you could remember them. You can remember that you are blessed. You might not be able to count them. It's not even a matter of might. You cannot do so because the blessings are of such magnitude both in their iteration and in the scope that it's beyond human ability to, to, to even put into an abstract notation like something to the nth power. It's far beyond this. And so Allah is saying as a fact, you can't do that. But what what isikrallahi akbar yeah right udkurni yeah, adkurukum so. remember me i will remember you so though we cannot count the blessings of allah we can remember that we are blessed yeah and that is what allah demands of his creation ni'matullahi alaikum. right Allah says in the verse begins Ya ladina ittaqullah. All you who believe, we hear this at the beginning of the khutbah. All oh, you who believe, have fear and reverence of God, as that's the right that He has to demand of you. muslimun, and don't die except as Muslims. Mm. And the ulama have said what that muslimun, most assuredly don't die except as a Muslim. The other two verses that come after this <coughs> are in some ways. A commentary on what it means to be a Muslim. Muslims, all of you hold on to the rope of Allah and don't break up. Remember the blessings. Remember who? Remember Muslims. O Muslims, remember the favor that I bestowed upon mm. you when you were fighting and at each other's throats and you were enemies. Allah And I brought your hearts together. Why? Because you didn't, right? I broke that up. You all grabbed onto the rope of Allah. Mm. And then that you were Allah وَعَلَى Anar, And that you were right on the precipice of a fire. And I saved you from that. So, you know, really, over and over and over in the Qur'an, along as we said rahmah, mercy, na'am, you know, blessings, shukur, gratitude, but then also it's the, re- the repetitive yeah. remembrance and reflecting oh, yeah, upon yeah. it. 100%. Yeah, that, I mean, you know,
1: and that, that's the crux of all of this because we go into these, you know, just like, an oscillator. You have these ups and these downs yeah. and you and you know, and then you get into this medium, you get right to the medium, zero out again, and you kind of get in this state of your life is like kind of um I always say, you know, steady. <laughs> Everything's steady, nothing's changed, we're all good right now, thank God. Uh, and then you find a you know, either so I was listening to this neuroscientist and she was explaining uh, habituation mm. and she mentioned something fascinating we can get habituated towards good and what we might perceive as negative so you, let, she gave an example of so, so you might be let's say you're in a, a racist city or town or state even in that state you could become habituated and that becomes normalized It's just racist here. Yeah, that's the way it is. It's always been that way. Mm -hmm. We would say, oh, it's all, yeah, it's like that here. And it gets normalized and you're, oh, you know, you got this sense of, well, this is how it is. And even though for an outsider, you say, this is terrible. What do you guys do? How, you know, you couldn't imagine this. What's going on over here? Likewise, with something great, filet mignon every day or we're going out to restaurants every day. We have no expense. It's all good. You become... And she says psychologically, what's happening here, the pattern she gave an example of of our eye. your eye if you look at a she she showed the test, if you look at a a i don't know a colored paper, and then she had this like zero point in the middle, she goes, "Your eye would focus on that zero black point, and after a while, because nothing else is moving around it, even though there's color there." your eye would phase out of that color. It's been habitualized. You've gotten, it's gotten used to it, so it doesn't acknowledge it no more. It doesn't need to expend its energy on that color around the dot in the middle. That's the focus now. That's all we got to think about. That's where we are at. And so, likewise with our deen, well, Allahu Akbar, and we go through our prayer, and then, you know, The heart's not there, the mind's not there, because we do this every day. Mm -hmm. So we have to be careful in that repeated process that we're not just, you know, blanking out. And we blank out a lot in our deen. And that's normal. And we've been taught we've been told the this is gonna happen. Your Iman is gonna go up and down. However, we have to revive it. And these are the choices that we said. So shukur, reading your Quran, making your salah with intent getting your mind correct, thinking about these things, fikr, dhikr, all of these concepts. that are lo- I mean, we have the whole bag
0: of orientation. And it's like <laughs> you know, your, your iman, as they say, right? iman right? iman is like a garden. Your faith is like a garden. And what, what is it that gardens require? It's like the man you just mentioned in al Kahf. He's so, he's so busy sit back, sitting back and admiring his own handiwork. When one, it wasn't his, mm. the law is the one that caused him, caused him, blessed the garden and caused it to grow. So he's mm. sitting back admiring his handiwork versus getting in there and getting at the weeds and doing that, right? Your man requires maintenance. Yeah. You know, how is it that most people put on weight? Most people put on weight because when they get the first little inclination, oh man, my, my shirt is a little puffy, mm. you know, my pants are fitting a little bit tight. Uh, my face is looking a little, right. They just brush it off and they'll find something else about themselves to admire. Like the man, he'll just stand in the mirror, right. And admire his handiwork, his guard. So people, instead of saying, oh, well, you know what? Maybe I need to, uh, you know, start tracking my calories a little bit. Keep a food log, you know, uh, uh take a you know i need to make sure i'm getting my my walk in whatever it is instead of jumping on that right away like a gardener people let it grow till it gets out of control yeah then it becomes hard and then it becomes now it's like well man you know you, you sometimes you see somebody's lawn and it's just like you know it's it's gone and that can be overwhelming when mm-hmm. you let and i think that's what discourages some muslims that go away from the religion even though Allah has said in the Quran, "Inna Allah Jamian, Allah forgives all sins, mm. and wa la rahmatullah. Don't despair over the mercy of Allah. But people are like, yeah, 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 I did all this stuff because I've allowed my garden to get out of control, and then now when you look at it and what it would require, you have thought your, you've basically thought yourself into a corner. Yeah. And now it becomes insurmountable. So, what's instead, it's like, you know, instead of saying, well, all right, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go take a walk and I'm going to keep a food log. And I'm, you know what? Forget it, man. Let's just go have, let's just go have a pile of french fries and let's have a tub of ice cream and let's go have some Coke. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. and people just do, forget about it. Yeah. You know? And that's what I mean. Literally. Forget. No, no, no. Remember about it. Remember Don't about forget that. about it. Yeah. Remember about it. Yeah. Because through the dhikr, pretty much anything, by, ta'ala, by Allah's permission, through remembrance, anything is possible.
1: Exactly. I, well, and you know, the, the idea here is, you know, people fall into despair. Muslims may, may fall into this form of despair. And I remember you remind me of a story um, when Khaled bin Walid was you know, just rampaging through the Persian empire mm. and this village was warned like they're, they, Hey man, he's on his way. Right. And they fell into such despair. Huh. One man, he, all he was doing, he was telling his sons just, you know, fill up your cups with wine and you know, say your last poetry you have yes. because Khalid's <laughs> army's coming and we're done and they entered and sure enough ch- chopped his head off and his his head fell into the bucket of wine right. so i mean you know and so must are we falling into such a despair no we should be following into gratitude and thankfulness and looking at
0: and even then poof. peel that back another layer right yeah. there's a great Hikmah uh, or saying uh from ibn al as allah a rahimahullah right there's a great phrase that one of one of the great scholars of su'luk, of so-called spirituality. And he said, he said, من الاعتماد على العمل الرجاء عند وجوه الزلل. He said that one of the first signs, uh, and he's talking about people that have become despaired, right? Mm. People that are suffering from despair. He said one of the signs... Uh, or rather, to back it up, he's saying, What? Well, it's because people rely upon one of their own deeds. Mm. So, how do you know you're in a state of despair? You're relying upon yourself. And so, what he says from the signs that a person is relying upon their self and not relying upon Allah, that they're relying upon themselves and they're not remembering Allah, that they're re- relying upon themselves and they're not relying upon the Quran, and that they're relying upon themselves and that they were not relying upon the sunnah of the Prophet. Is that he said that that when it when they do a deed and it doesn't work out, this is causes the despair. He said, right? It causes a loss of hope, right? It causes a loss of hope. In the wujud in the face uh, of, of when something uh, undesired takes place, mm. and so. It's quite astounding. I always remembered this one from, you know, yeah. Ibn allah this, uh, 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 this, this particular saying of his. He's like, yo, if you start suffering from despair, undoubtedly it is related to you, though it may not be apparent to you, mm. but undoubtedly it is the case that you are relying upon yourself. Mm-mm-mm. Whether you are relying upon yourself, whether that be uh, materially, emotionally psychologically religiously spiritually you are relying upon yourself or something man made right and you are not relying upon Allah ta'ala his commandments his encouragements right i said what well, the law said what illa adan they cannot you they can never harm you mm. then the pause well okay maybe a little bit but that's up to you. And the <laughs> harm is only physical. They cannot harm you in your heart. Because he said, what? <laughs> because when they do fight you, they're going to run away because of, you can't, you, you can't, just like the people of Gaza, you cannot beat those people. You can kill them, but you can't beat them. Right. The Muslim is a person, sure, you can kill them. But you can't beat them. Right. Look, at what the, look, look at our brothers and sisters in Kosovo, like what happened to the Muslims in Bosnia. Right. The USSR and that evil system of communism, it tried its damnedest to stamp out belief in God, not even just Islam, mm. belief in God. And underneath the surface, there were still people, some keeping their beliefs. And as soon as the false specter, the false god of communism, mm. went away, Islam began to reemerge in those areas. Yeah, because you can, all you can do is kill them. Right. And like you said, you can kill a man, but you can't kill an idea.
1: Right. Well, I think I shared with you uh, that saying, and I was probably I forget where what military general mentioned this or soldier this is it's hard to kill someone it's it's hard to kill an enemy when they're looking down your barrel and they see paradise hard to defeat that type of, yes <laughs> that type of individual exactly. That's what I'm saying. yeah yeah <laughs> when you,
0: you all you can do is kill them you cannot defeat them Mm-mm. you know and so that isn't happening By happenstance That is coming from people Have deeply internalized The realities of the Quran Mm -hmm. They might not be ulama They might not be great scholars Of the religion But they have internalized The book of Allah And they have internalized The sunnah of the Prophet Who when, when it came regrettably To conflict He was all in Yes And was brave But then when he had the Fath of Mecca, when he conquered Mecca, and came into people that killed people that were beloved to him, he could have exacted revenge and just could have made it a slaughter. Because one, he's like, all you did was kill them. Yeah. They're with their Lord now. <inaudible> right? They're in, they're in paradise. Mm. So all you did was kill their bodies. Yeah. But they're with their Lord.
1: Yep. Then alhamdulillah. I mean, the, the, this. So hopefully, I mean, the discussion here revolved around gratitude. So. shukr and recognizing, acknowledging and contemplating the blessings that are all around us that we have. And. Um, hopefully, we're inspiring ourselves first and others to to engage and remember that. Um, no matter, Muslims shouldn't be falling into despair of their situation because everything's from Allah subhanahu wa taala. So, Shah, this is a good reminder. And behave with mercy because mercy is mercy. a
0: display of power. Mm-hmm. It is perhaps Allah's most apparent attribute mm. is mercy and his most apparent manifestation of his lack of need or want, right, وَرَبُّكَ أَلْغَنِي thurrahma. Your Lord has no need or want for anything and therefore is the very possessor, the source of all mercy. Mm. So Muslims should, uh, you know, I'm not talking about some Hare Krishna, you know, I mean, if somebody <laughs> breaks into your house, you know, like, like, like Malcolm, رحم <laughs> said, you know, show people mercy, but, you know, if they come to take you out, you send them to the cemetery. Hello. <laughs> you know, but but again, that verse that we talked about, they can never harm you, it comes right after the verse about mm-hmm. you're the best community sent for all, man- all mankind, mm-hmm. and that verse was sent and revealed amidst a conflict. Yeah. So it's important to remember, we, and I know sometimes we get on the stuff about the West, and again, you know, when we're talking about the West, it's merely to untangle the knots Mm -hmm. you know i'm i am 100 western without a doubt unapologetically because that's where allah made me from right right? there are aspects of westernness that i uh, don't like uh heavily dislike uh advocate for change or whatnot but i don't see it to such an extent that i think the west is a mistake Mm -hmm. because allah doesn't make mistakes this is all part of allah's plan um and of course, there are other admirable qualities that Westerners have. Um, so when we talk about that, we're coming from that disposition, which right. is, you know, constructive criticism, not deconstructive criticism. But, but, you know, be merciful, be in the world, and be merciful to the fullest extent that Allah blesses you to do. Right. You know, Ibudur Rahman. Worship the most merciful and spread the salah. All right, let's go have another shawarma. Let's go. <laughs>
1: Wrap it up, man. Well,
0: we'll see you, inshallah, in the next episode. Jazakum alaikum. Alaikum. You've been listening to the Middle Ground Podcast. With myself, Iman Mark of Middle Ground Muslim Center and my dear friend and co-host, brother Daoud Aleman. You can check out our show notes on Substack for all the references as well as how to check us out on other platforms such as Instagram or Twitter. As always, leave a comment and some feedback as well as suggestions for anything else you would like us to discuss in the future Jazakum wa khairan for lending us an ear and spending your time with us Inshallah we'll see you in the next episode As-salamu